Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Friday. It's rivalry week. We wanted to talk some USC, UCLA. We're going to welcome in Blair Angulo, who does some great work for Scout.com on the recruiting team and also over at Bruin Report Online. Follow him at BlairAngulo, uh, at Blair Angulo on Twitter. Is that right, Blair? I want to make sure you get it right. Yeah, it's well. You can take a search for me at, at Blair Angulo or or I'm at Bay B Angulo. B Angulo. Uh, just so I just yeah, I just got that first. Um, I've got that first initial. People call me Bangulo, which is completely fine <laughs> as well. So you know whatever whatever floats your boat. Well, check him out. Uh, he does great work for Scout on the recruiting side. He put we put a bunch of his stuff up on USCFootball.com, but he also covers UCLA, and uh, I think. You know, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's where his undergrad, he went to school at UCLA. So, you know, he, he knows a little thing about the Bruins. Correct, correct. Yeah, I graduated in 2010. Uh, I know a lot of USC fans uh, already know that because I've been covering USC recruiting for, for a few years uh, after moving on to now covering UCLA. Um, but an interesting little tidbit here. Um, I was at that game 10 years ago, uh, the 13-9 uh, game, and I was a freshman. Um, that year. So it, it, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about that it was 10 years ago. And I kind of get a same type of feeling in terms of like the odds that UCLA is facing in this one. That was the, uh, save Carl Durrell's job against Pete Carroll. And, you know, in it, retrospect, it probably ended up being a good thing for USC long term just because they keep Durrell around a little bit longer. But it was probably bad for UC. I mean, it was a great win, but, you end up getting a longer time with Carl Durrell, who probably shouldn't have been head coach. Right, yeah. It, it, I mean, it was a momentary saving of his job. Um, it was very temporary, and, and it even felt like a fluke. You know, it was very emotional for UCLA to win that and, and, and to keep USC from going to the BCS National Championship. Um, and then you had, the, you know, they had a kind of a, some momentum that offseason. People were projecting to be, uh, you know, a top 10, top 15 team. Uh, they kind of got out of the gate pretty well in 2007, then lost a brutal game um, at uh, at BYU, uh, and then it all kind of went downhill for, for Carl Durrell after that. But like you mentioned, I think it was maybe a positive um, for, for Carroll and USC because it, it, it maybe delayed that rebuilding project. Um, and then you saw Rick Neuheisel come in, and he never really figured it out. So... Uh, yeah, it was. It, it's crazy to think about, like I mentioned, ten years ago. But um, you know, here we are, ten years later. <laughs> that is crazy that that was ten years. And uh, you know, just the rivalry in general, how important it is. Where it's it matters, you know. And and you know, for Jim Moore and his future, getting a you know a win over USC will do a lot for him. Clay Helton certainly probably got him, not probably. It got him hired last year by Pat Hayden. When Pat Hayden came out and said it had nothing to do with that USC just beat UCLA a few hours ago, and that's why we named him the permanent head coach. It's kind of like saying, 
uh, oh, yeah, the, my contract, the, the holdout, there's nothing to do about money. It's always about the money. And it was certainly always about USC beat UCLA. That's why Clay Hilton got hired. Uh, it's important. And I think when people say, well, you need to finish with this record or that record to retain him or whatever for any coach in a, in these kind of games, I think that, you know, this win is like the, the money ball. If you're shooting a three pointer, you know, at the all-star game, it counts more than the other game. Absolutely. It's that last, it's that last ball on your rack, uh, that you're trying to get in and they kind of keep a tally, but no, for sure. I, I think it's, uh, it, it's very important for Jim Mora. I don't know if, if it's a must win for him because his seat isn't very hot right now. I, I think he's bought him himself enough time, what he did the first three, four years here at UCLA. Um, and, and, and I don't know if this is a completely a must win for him, especially given the circumstances. I mean, you've got a former walk on quarterback. Uh, Josh Rosen's out. Last year when they lost to USC, they didn't have Miles Jack. They didn't have Eddie Vanderdose. They didn't have Fabian Moreau. So there's a lot of things that you can kind of take uh, with the fact that they lost that, that game last year. If you lose a second one, um, you know, you kind of shrug it off. I, I think next year is a huge, huge year for Jim Mora. Um, they've never really met expectations. Uh, he exceeded expectations pretty early on, but I think um, they've never met them. They've always had, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the, 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 the goals were, were too out there for them. So next year with the junior and Josh Rosen, if everything goes correctly with his, with his recovery in his shoulder, um, I think next year's the, the year to really gauge. And if you can't beat USC next year, uh, I think that's when you really start to, 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 you know, maybe calculate things. Well, yeah, I mean, and Jim Mora, to his credit, he came in and just kept beating USC every year until last year. Like what you said, a whole bunch of defensive guys were, were injured. Um, but I, I mean, even if it was the year, like, oh, you lose a couple games you're not supposed to, when he was ending the year beating USC, I mean, UCLA fans were pretty happy with it, and understandably so. Understandably so. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think everyone was was content. I, I think they saw, um, you know, maybe a little turning of the tide in terms of being able to get over that USC hump, which you know, obviously Durrell uh, had been the last guy to do it in, in 2006. Uh, New Hazel had a terrible time, highlighted by that 50 to nothing loss at the Coliseum. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I think Mora, um, you know definitely cares about this game i asked him earlier this week after practice if this game carried any additional recruiting implications just because now he's been in the rivalry for a few years and and he said you know what i, I don't think it matters anymore um i think he started to realize that usc basically gets the recruits it's going to get um i think they've done enough nationally they've done enough here in the city and 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 a lot of parents have grown up usc fans so i think he doesn't really look at this game anymore as maybe a turf war. Um, it's more of, you know, just kind of building and, and, and making sure you're doing the right thing. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, what kind of game plan they, they go and then they try to implement on Saturday. Well, let's, yeah, let's talk about, um, Saturday a little bit. Uh, I think, um, I was talking to your colleague, Dave Woods, uh, when we do our podcast of champions and the beginning of the season, it just seemed like, you know, one team was going one direction and one was going another. Then it's almost like completely uh, reversed. And right now, for whatever reason, uh, USC is just, is just flying high, you know. And, and UCLA, you know, got a win last week. 
Um, I thought played Colorado pretty tough, but it's been, you know, it's been kind of a, a struggle at times. And, you know, Josh Rosen going down, certainly uh, you lose your best player. Most, you know, arguably your best player. It's not going to be uh, easy going. But where have you think that, you know, UCLA has been going the last few weeks and what kind of direction are they be able to get some momentum back, you know, getting the win last week? Or how do you feel it's been going? I always kind of look back at that loss to Stanford. Um, you know, they were up by double digits. They, you know, they they've never beaten Stanford under Jim Mora. Um, they had Stanford where they wanted them and they didn't finish the job. And I think that kind of started derailing things. They started maybe not trusting the process, maybe not trusting the, the off season changes they had made. Uh, you know, everything was kind of geared towards beating Stanford. Finally, uh, they went into a power style offense with, you know, heavy sets and three tight ends and a fullback and, uh, you know, things like that. They, they changed a little bit defensively. They went more to a 4-3 base. Uh, they started utilizing the nickel. They've got a very experienced secondary, so they wanted to make sure that was, uh, you know, the, the, the featured part or the cornerstone of that defense. So they made all these offseason changes. Things don't work out the way they were supposed to at Texas A&M. You know, you, you lose to your former offensive coordinator there. Uh, they lose to Stanford, like I mentioned, and then things started to, to kind of come off the tracks. Rosen gets injured at Arizona State. Uh, I believe it was week five or week six, um, and they've never been able to recover ever since. I mean, they don't have a running game. Um, I mean, you'll, you'll see it firsthand Saturday. This is I mean, They literally do not have a running game. Even if they were a middle-of-the-pack-12 type of running team, they, they were very mediocre, uh, they, they could kind of get by, but they are dead last and rushing. Uh, they are one of the worst attacks in the country uh, running the ball. And it's pretty surprising because Kennedy Palomalo is the offense coordinator, former running backs coach. Uh, you know, you, you would imagine that he would have maybe a solution or two to, to fix the running game. Uh, but it just hasn't happened. And, uh, that, I think that's, that's what you look at. You know, you look at that first loss to Stanford or, or you know, that loss to Stanford, then that's kind of that first step towards what's happened in the last few weeks. The, the the no running game doesn't make any sense to me because I know there's at some all. at all no there's some issues at the interior of the offensive line but two really good tackles right and I love watching Soso Jamamo play and you know there are a couple other good running backs too I don't see how it's not working like how could it be that bad yeah I, I think Nate Starks was was believed to be maybe the the most experienced guy he had been you know the backup to Paul Perkins the last few years. Um, but he's been dinged up. He's dealing with some arthritis in his, in his knee. Uh, he's had maybe some shoulder problems. Jamabo's being banged up too. He's had, uh, you know, ankle and, and shoulder and, and a bunch of other things. Bolu Olu run for me, uh, another guy that's pretty capable and has done things in the past. Uh, you know, you put him back there. He's kind of a change of pace back. Maybe that power type that, that Paul Malu really likes. And then they've got two really capable freshmen in, in Brandon Stevens from Texas. Uh, who's also from the area that Jamabo's from in Texas, and Jalen Starks, a local kid here from Crespi, who's a you know a bigger power back, like I mentioned that that Paul Malo really covets in an offense. So they have some of these pieces. You mentioned the interior line, that's been a real struggle. They've had to replace their center, their two guards from last year, and it, it just never has worked out. Um, that's where the biggest issues have been. They just can't run the ball up up the middle. Um, they try to, you know, change things up with maybe some draw looks or, or some zone read concepts, um, but nothing seems to work. Uh, it, it's been really puzzling, and, and just to kind of see them 
you know, struggle week in and week out. It, it, I think the most surprising thing was just the fact that they haven't found any solutions. You know, but it, it's college football and it's a rivalry weekend. Like, would you be shocked if like UCLA had their best running game of the year? I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at something like that. I know USC's defense playing really well, but this is, you know, it's, it's not that far away. Like it can, it can turn around quickly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked. I think I would be uh, a little bit surprised. Um, I, I just haven't seen any signs of life from that unit. Um, and especially with Mike Faithful at quarterback, like I mentioned before, former walk-on, if you want to maybe you know pass and then to set up the run, uh, that's going to be really hard to do. So they've had to really establish the run to help Faithful and to ease some of the pressure and to, and to, to you know, uh, get some guys away from the secondary. Uh, they just haven't been able to do that. So I, I would, you know, it, nothing would shock me. You mentioned it. it's college football, uh, but I'd be, I'd be surprised. I think if, if they were able to turn it around. What, uh, I mean, you saw that first, I think it was the first game for Mike Faithful, the, uh, the 70 pass game. And there was actually more dropbacks than that. Um, I mean, that was pretty surprising, but I thought for me, I talked to Dave Woods about this. Like if you can switch your, your offense in a week, um, and go from one kind of extreme to another, I mean, that takes them. I thought that was a pretty good job by the coaching staff. It, you didn't win the game, but, um, I thought it was, you know, there were some successes there. Yeah. The turnovers are kind of a problem, but were you surprised at how prolific a passer he can be? And, and can UCLA kind of ride that and try to get some momentum for the end of the season here with, uh, faithful? Yeah, I don't think I was surprised because, you know, they, they went to the offense that had been working under Mazzoni. Uh, they just eliminated all the, all the run, all the run plays. Um, and Faithful <laughs> has been pretty good. Um, you know, he, he, he was really good in, in fall camp. Um, that, I think that's what the, you know, the most surprising thing was, was that he, um, was, was as mistake prone as he was because he was very steady, uh, in fall camp. He was very good in the spring, um, and earned that scholarship that, that he's now on, I think. So, um, you know, Jim Mora mentioned it earlier this week that, you know, this is a game that, that they must win to be bowl eligible. Um, and, you know, it depends on how the game starts to develop, how it starts to unravel in the first quarter, first half. Uh, you know, if one thing is working, if one thing isn't working, then you've got, you've got to, you know, burn the boats, as Rick Neuheisel used to say. You've got to, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, focus on, on the thing and the task at hand, either pass the ball, either try to mix it up. But, you know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, if the running game is as ineffective as it has been, I would not be surprised to see Faithful, uh, chuck it up, you know, another 60, 65 times. Um, for when you look at the UCLA team, you have to look at the defense. And we talked to Clay Helton this week, and he, you know, he got a lot of praise for UCLA, Jim Mora, and you, you know, there's always going to be a good defense there. Maybe talk about some of the the key players and how this unit's been able to kind of, you know, carry this team at times throughout the season. Yeah, this team is the only reason why, you know, or this unit is the only reason why this team has been within a score in, in most of its losses, you know, except for, for Colorado when, and you led that, they led that game by, by a ton. Um, so, you know, I, I think Takaris McKinley is the guy that you should keep an eye on. Uh, he's all over the field. He's a freak. He's really shot up some, some draft boards. Uh, he's raised his stock considerably now mentioned as a potential first round draft pick. 
Uh, I think what makes him very dangerous is his speed off the edge. He's a former track guy from uh, the Bay Area. Um, really fast, really quick first step, uh, and really takes on offensive tackles off the edge, but also can beat them inside. And then the other thing that's maybe a bit overlooked given his speed is just his ability to stop the run. He really chases uh, ball carriers around, um, can, can slide around. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Tom Bradley, likes to put him in different positions, whether that be inside or outside or standing up. Or, you know, at some, sometimes we see him line up at middle linebacker where he's already known, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be coming after the quarterback, but he does so from the middle linebacker position just to create some lanes, create some pressure and, and create different looks. So McKinley's a guy that I think, um, Sam Darnold is obviously definitely aware of heading into this game. Um, other guys, I, I think their secondary is pretty talented. You know, you look at a guy like Fabian Moreau. Uh, who missed last year's game uh, after suffering an injury early in the season. Uh, he, he'll match up against the best receiver and, and, and does a pretty good job uh, of doing that. I think he's probably a third, fourth-round draft pick uh, at the moment. Um, uh, you know, he, I, I like their linebackers, too. You, you can't really fault them there for, for being um, you know, as, as strong as they are in, in the middle with Jayon Brown and Kenny Young. Uh, Jayon Brown, I think, is one of the leading tacklers in the Pac-12. So, um, you know, they, they've got some guys. Uh, Eddie Vanderdose, we mentioned him earlier. He missed last year's game with an injury as well after he suffered that torn ACL in the first game. Uh, he demands double teams inside. You know, he, the, he allows Takaris McKinley to do what he does. So um, if UCLA has a shot uh, in this game, it's because of the defense. Um, the defense can keep them in this one. Uh, give you know faithful some opportunities. Give the running game some opportunities to to maybe hold the ball and limit possessions. Then uh, you know that's that's how UCLA would have a fighter's chance to win this one. Um, USC is obviously coming off the huge win over uh, Washington. You know, so there's some talk that well maybe they, you know, this could be some sort of a trap game, even though it's a rivalry game, and even though it's important in the the Pac-12 South race. Um, what what do you think on the the UCLA side? Has there been a lot of focus on this one? I mean, what what do you think the prep has been like? Uh, getting I can't see the Bruins overlooking USC by any stretch. No, yeah, and it's been you know they for the last few weeks they've mentioned that they need to win out to to reach a bowl game, uh, and, and they've acknowledged that they needed to go three and zero to to get to see it to six and six. And, um, you know, this is that middle game. Uh, you can't win that sixth one without winning your fifth one. Uh, and USC is, is never a game that you overlook or, you know, uh, you know, not think about or, you know, maybe think that you're, you know, you're just going to go in there and win. Um, I think Mora is, is good at keeping guys focused. Um, I, I think this team realizes that they are the underdog. Uh, you know, they, they've suffered obviously some, some tough losses. Their, their year hasn't gone the way it was supposed to. Uh, you know, you don't have Josh Rosen. You don't have a running game. Uh, so I think everything's on the table. Every, they know exactly what they're up against, especially with, with USC's recent, recent run. And, um, you know, guys like Jordan Lasley, who, who was a teammate of Adore Jackson uh, at Gardena Serra, he's really come on and shown some fire for the offensive side. Uh, but now he has to get face against He has to face off against Adore Jackson. So. Um, you know, I think these guys know exactly what they're up against, especially with the familiarity. And uh, these guys know who they are, and, and it's going to be, uh, I think, fun to to watch for the first, you know, quarter and a half, and then, you know, we'll see if USC can can manage to pull away. 
If uh, one last thing for you, Blair, before I let you go, um, for UCLA to win, you talk about the the defense kind of being a key. How do you think? I mean, what what's the scenario, the easiest scenario for UCLA to get a win here? Like, you, you obviously the defense is going to play well. Will it be that the run game comes back, or will it just be that Faithful just kind of throws the ball over the place and has a lot of success that way? How do you think it would all play out? I think when you look at the offense, there there are just so many holes. Uh, they don't have the interior. I know USC's defensive line can bring the pressure. Uh, Faithful is mistake prone, so you're trying to limit, you know, maybe putting him in some tough situations and third and longs. So I think you, UCLA's biggest opportunity to win this game comes just from limiting possessions, you know, keeping the ball away from Darnold and that offense, uh, keeping your defense fresh for the second half and, and especially the fourth quarter, um, and then just not punting to Adore Jackson. <laughs> UCLA is going to have to punt quite a bit in this game. Uh but you're going to I mean you're going to have to stay away from 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 that guy. He's electric uh, and just does everything on the football field that you would expect a Heisman hopeful to do and and a you know potential for Sean draft pick. Um so I think you know they they're, they're going to have to really slow down the game uh and to do that you're going to have to run the ball you're going to have to get into some of these third and threes some manageable downs where you can convert and, and have some long drives um and keep like I said keep Arnold off the field keep your defense off the field that's the only way uh UCLA I think is going to win this game and and you couple that with with a strong defensive performance which you know like I mentioned before I think this this defense has stepped up before they have all their guys in place uh and and I think that that gives them a chance heading into Saturday all right follow them on Twitter at B Angulo don't call him Bangulo I guess some people do but uh... you, you can you absolutely can <laughs> Uh, Blair Angulo does a great job, uh, scout recruiting and also on Bruin Report online. But Blair, hey, thanks for, uh, coming on and talking about the USC UCLA game. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so, thanks so much, Ryan, and uh, enjoy the game, everyone. And, uh, you know, be safe out there. I know it's a big rivalry game and I know all that, but just remember, uh, it's just a game and, uh, enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. It's just a game. So that's Blair. Um, I'm going to come back in just a minute here, and I'm going to answer some of your your uh, questions about the football team. We're going to let Blair go. What let Blair go? Uh, but thanks again, Blair, for coming on. All right. So the second half of the podcast, we want to do a little uh, solo podcast, uh, answering some of the questions. We got a lot of questions in there from you guys, so a ton of questions. Want to jump on and do my best to answer those uh, heading into the UCLA game. Some of these are still having to do with Washington. Um, we had a lot, you know, but I, I feel bad if you guys write in your questions and we don't get to them. So this is our fourth podcast of the week. And uh, I wanted to try to wrap it up with some of the questions and then we'll be done. All right. So let's go to Curtis. He said a couple weeks ago, I said the playoff committee likes us in a two week period. We went from unranked 20th leapfrogging five teams. Then after Washington game, 13th leapfrogging seven teams. Being 13 with two weeks to go, I hope Wazoo can win at Colorado. Then Colorado win at home versus Utah, and USC wins out. Our compelling story, nasty defense, future NFL talent, New Year's six minimum, playoff maximum. By the way, the defense has held six straight opponents to their season low in points. That's nasty, Curtis. That is a really interesting point, uh, six straight games holding opposing offenses to their lowest total. So I didn't even realize that, Curtis. So that's a good stat there. I didn't look it up, but hopefully you're right. Um 
no playoff. That's not happening. So no, the USC is not making the playoffs. So don't don't think about that. USC is playing well enough to you know make some noise if they were in the consideration, but they're not. Three losses are not. That's not happening. So uh, don't think about this as a playoff team. Don't. Oh, that's overstating things a little bit. But certainly uh, moving up and being well respected. Thanks for that, Curtis. From Curtis to Otis, he says. What player since the sanctions do you wish all the coaches, Lane, Steve, Ed, Clay, used more, if any? Um, interesting, Otis. I'd have to kind of think about that. The ones that we've seen, um, that, you know, have done well, like, uh, you know, one coach didn't, it's normally you see one coach not using a guy and another coach using, um, you know, Buck Allen is a good example. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, that he just, uh, you know, basically built up to an NFL career uh, under Ed Orgeron. Uh, we've seen this year, like uh, a Quentin Powell's not played as much as I thought he would, but he's getting some run. But a Michael Hutchins for sure. Uh, Leon McQuay kind of get passed over. Um, there's certain coaches just feel comfortable with different guys. So, uh, and I think we've seen that, you know, a bunch this year. We've seen a guy like a John Plattenberg who uh, played a lot under Sark staff and is not, you don't even see them anymore. So it's just, you know, certain coaches like certain dudes. I don't think there's anyone I wished, uh, you know, the coaches used more. I mean, you, you like certain guys. Um, I wish they used, I, I guess you could say Max Brown, I think would have been great to get some uh, run in meaningful time because people will think, oh, he's, I, I don't think he stinks. I think he's a good quarterback and I think he wasn't used in the right system. Um, and I think it would have been helpful if he got some early run, like Sam Darnold did during the first three games when Max Brown got to start. Let's go. Neil in Manila I said, amazing win in game planning by the coaching staff. I got the feeling they could do it, and they actually did. I was impressed with the game plan that exploited the middle of the field. Uh, I was too. The question is, what does this USC team look more similar to? Oregon in 2015 or USC in 2011? And do you guys see similar thing happening in 2017? Wherein the Trojans fall short of expectations. Thanks and fight on. So do I think this team looks like Oregon's 2015 team? No, they, if, if I remember right, well, let me look real quick. Um, so Oregon in 2015, and they have a huge loss at home uh, to Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so uh, they finished nine and four, seven and two. They end up losing the Alamo Bowl. Uh, they beat Oregon State. Uh, they, they beat USC. Um, yeah, they finished strong. They had the loss, uh, to Washington State in double overtime. They got crushed at home, uh, by, uh, Utah, like I remember. But, you know, they finished strong and then have it in the bowl game. I, I really wouldn't say that's like a, a parallel though. That's, I mean, this, this is pretty unique of what's happening here. Um, and same thing with UC, USC in 2011, that 10 and 2 season. You know, they beat Notre Dame on the road. They beat Oregon on the road. Uh, but yeah, this is a, this is unique. I don't think this is like anything else, Neil. Um, USC never switches quarterbacks, like ever. Like, do you remember John David Booty having a broken finger and they wouldn't put in future NFL quarterback Mark Sanchez in the game? Like, USC has been very stubborn when it comes to quarterbacks. So the fact that there was a switch in the middle of the season, uh, when's that happen? Like Carson Palmer came in and that Purdue game. And, uh, that's probably, I think that's the last time. So yeah, I wouldn't say anything like that. 
Let's go to uh, Terrence. He said, I have to say that I'm so excited to see how well our Trojans are playing. Thanks to all of the wonderful podcast and information this season. You guys are great. Well, thank you for that. That game against Washington reminded me of the Pete Carroll era. I have to admit, I really questioned Coach Helton at the beginning of the season. Then I realized he's a new head coach and deserves time to learn and grow. I am uh, so happy that I'm seeing that he is learning and growing and making better decisions. And as all the units of the team playing well, I hope Coach Helton continues to do well and becomes a coaching legend in college football, just like Pete was. Uh, happy about this because Helton is such a nice guy. I'm so proud to be a Trojan. Let's run the table and finish 10-3. and three. Fight on Terrence. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. I think uh, there's some USC fans not rooting for Clay Helton, um, meaning they're not rooting for USC. But I think for the most part, he's won people over. He's given him a shot. Uh, people are giving him a chance. And he you have to take, you know, give him credit. He's been, uh, he's learned. And he's doing a really good job. I think coaches can be stubborn. And I think Clay Helton showed the ability to learn uh, from mistakes and, you know, make a quick turnaround. You know, obviously he started one in five as the permanent head coach. Not the kind of start you're looking for. And it wasn't like a Pete Carroll start where you're losing games that were close. You're getting blown out by teams. So that was very different. But it's a different team now. The The problem is USC's always had talent. Uh, maybe when Pete Carroll took over, it wasn't you know, deeper, you know, talent is deep, but you've had a lot of good recruiting classes in a row. So there's a lot of dudes that can play. You shuffle them around and you have to get them to play somewhat closer to potential. And now they are. Now you're seeing the athletes making plays and not being handcuffed. So yes, uh, Terrence, he's done a, a great job really to turn this team around and win six games in a row. Got to finish it off. Um, you know, can't have a, a terrible showing in the bowl game like he did last year. Got to beat the two rivals, but no reason to not believe that they're going to do that right now, the way this team is playing. Let's go. This is from, let's see, what to do, Ryan? Chuck here in Texas. Great win for the men of Troy. Said this before, Darnold hides the bad play calling, still being done by T. Martin and Clay Helton. Saturday was a great win, no doubt, but let's not forget that it wasn't uh, if it wasn't for the block field goal by Green, SC would have been in a dogfight. Momentum would have swung in a bit in favor of Washington at that point. SC's defense was playing lights out. The offense, although Darnold uh, was great by mid-third quarter, only up by four points, kind of like the Colorado game. We all knew SC should be up by more. Uh, look, as long as SC keeps on winning, who cares? <laughs> but the truth is Darnold and Clancy have saved Helton's job. The stars align perfectly for Helton. The truth is he still is very suspect as a head coach. I also would like to mention that Rojo is the man. Davis and Ware are side dishes. Rojo is the main course. He's a superstar. Get him in rhythm. Said this before. Touches is what makes Ronald Jones turn it up. Ride that horse to the finish line. Washington game, uh, 20 for 94, one touchdown. Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. I wouldn't say 20 for 94 is perfect. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I think... They stuck with a run, and they needed to. And I, he was efficient enough um, in that game. But there wasn't any big there wasn't any big runs, and that's his signature. So I think you got to give the Washington uh, defense credit. It's a really good defense. It's a great defense. And uh, just you know, they held them down. But USC ran enough and was effective enough where it wasn't being shut down that you had to keep keep it off. So they had to keep trying to prevent Ronald Jones from getting a big run. And then when you did that. Um, it opened up the passing game for Sam Darnold. And yeah, that, so you're one of the more skeptical guys, Chuck. Uh, and some people are giving Clay Helton a lot of credit. Some people are saying, well, 
it's Clancy or it's Sam Darnold. I think it's certainly a combination of things, but I do believe that Sam Darnold has done things that's that aren't part of the offense, that he's just going to ha- do that. And he could make a lot of, you know, he can make a bad play look good. How many bad plays are out there? It's kind of hard to say, but um, yeah, I think there's some, and I think he makes up for a lot of that. But I think T. Martin's grown as a play caller. I think Clay Helton's grown as a head coach. Um, they're spreading the ball around more. They're using the tight ends. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of positives there. But I, I don't know. We want to nitpick too much and say, well, it's not it's not Clay Helton at all that everything just fell into place. I think you know it's a lot of it's him too. Uh, you know, he was put in a weird spot, and he was forced to learn on the job. So that's all you can ask. Like you. USC's the, you know, Pat Hayden decided to hire someone that didn't have any experience. So that's on the administration. That's not on Clay Helton for taking the job. Um, it's on, it's on Pat Hayden for hiring him, but he's grown and he's learned. Will he be a championship head coach? You know, we don't know yet, but he certainly showed that he can turn things around this first season. Um, got to see him finish strong and, and go into next season and win those games that you should win. Cause there's a couple losses on the schedule that shouldn't be losses. If you look at Stanford and Utah. You compare the talent on the two teams. There's no question USC's a better talented team. Uh, but, you know, if they played both those teams tomorrow, USC would probably be a big favorite. Let's go to Big Gene. Uh, please help me understand, is this not the same Washington team that was fortunate enough to beat an average Arizona team in overtime and nipped a Utah team on a late punt return? Washington indeed tipped their hand as not being anything special, let alone the fourth best team in the nation, i.e., Texas A&M, who proceeded to lose two consecutive games after being ranked number four. Indeed, Washington was a good win, but please help us keep things in perspective. Helton has a 7-3 team, which should easily be 9-1 with a very soft Pac-12 schedule. A win over Washington should not trump the failures at Stanford and Utah, just like a loss to UCLA or Notre Dame would devalue whatever success and joy the Washington victory provided for the Trojan faithful. Fight on, Big Gene. Man, Big Gene. That's a... Uh, that's some pretty pessimistic thinking there. Washington is good. Okay, they had one bad game that they won on the road at Arizona. Yeah, that's the worst team in the Pac-12. Um, but you watch that game. Arizona played well that game. Should you know? Shouldn't go to overtime against that terrible of a team. But that's the one like anomaly. Everyone else, they're beating the spread. They're handling them. Um, you know, Utah's really good on the road. You know, USC knows that they lost on the road. Washington didn't. They won. You're going to give them, not give them credit because they won close. Uh, Washington, I think, is a really good team. I still think can go to the playoff. So don't devalue the win over over Washington. And you want to look at, yes, the first four games of the season happened. They didn't even play that well against Utah State. You can't take those away, but it doesn't. You can't say, well, anything else that happens doesn't matter anymore. Uh, they beat Washington on the road in a tough environment. I was there. It was loud. And they handled it really well. And they made Washington look bad. And they pushed Washington around. So, I mean, I get if you want to be like pessimistic about stuff, but man, what could they do if they, if beating Washington on the road, doubling up Washington on the road is not good enough for you? Let's go Lamar from the desert. He said, hello, Ryan. What a bounce back season. Looking way ahead. Fans and media have been uh, critical of SC recruiting wideouts, but the need for that position will be evident after we lose uh, our two to go to receivers. It appears they need a burner to stretch the defenses, uh, to go with Amatur Bebe and Burnett. Pittman seems to be a nice, but raw possession wide out on defense. SC could possibly retain Adore if he competes in the world games and track and field. 
you explain how that works? Uh, thanks for fight on Lamar from the desert. Uh, no, I cannot explain how that works because I have no idea how that works. So sorry about that. Uh, but no, Adori's not sticking around. Uh, could he? Sure, I guess. I mean, will he? No, in my opinion, like don't. Uh, I would not picture him to stay at USC. So that that that's such a r- remote possibility. I don't think you want to hang your hat on that. And whatever the world games and track and field, I don't know why that would keep him there. I never even heard of that. Maybe there's some reason, but it's never come up to me. Uh, everyone I've ever talked to is like, no, he's leaving. So I say that. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a you know. Uh, Michael Pittman is the only receiver uh, of this recruited class to come in all five guys that is playing and not even counting a Keyshawn Young uh, who could play receiver too. He did a little bit in fall camp. So yeah, um, you got to see what those guys can do. Uh, one of them will emerge or two of them or three of them, who knows, but uh, we've only seen Michael Pittman. The rest of the guys are going to redshirt. So they got a bunch of guys. There's a bunch of good guys in this class too. Um, you know, so we'll see who comes in and makes a contribution. But Michael Pittman's been great all around. Special teams, blocking, uh, receiving. So he's been doing good. Let's go. Hola, Tim from Costa Rica. Great performance by the Trojans against Washington. They rose up to represent, uh, to represent in an impressive way. Comment then a question. I think the contribution of the scout team cannot be overemphasized. No longer is it manned by walk-ons totally depleted by NCAA robbery. Uh, blocking dummies no longer. Uh, they're making the ones and twos better every practice. These are players with very good skills trying to impress the staff that they will be ready for prime time next year. And that's a very good point. The scout team's important. Now, some of the guys are banged up and they've actually started to use Mike Goff, who's a former NFL player. He's a, you know, offensive grad assistant. Uh, you know, Kiri Colbert's coming in there and playing a little bit. So they're, and some of Anuku came back to do some. So they're going to use that NCAA rule to let other people come in, but certainly the scout team. Giving them a good look has has helped. Question is, how about a rundown of the most notable contributors you've when you who you see stepping forward and contributing big time next season? Great job, Ryan, and keep it up. Uh, Pura Vida, Tim in Paradise in Costa Rica. Hopefully, I said that right. Uh, don't really know Spanish, unfortunately. I should. I really should know, but I don't. Um, yeah, next year, uh, so many guys. I mean, there's so many dudes that we just don't. No, at this point, um, I think like on the receivers, like I think a Josh mentor baby, you saw his brother can do. I think he could have a big impact. We talk about Michael Pittman, um, Olawale, Batiku, uh, Petiku. Uh, I think, you know, guys like that could be, he could be a big pass rusher for USC. I mean, there's a lot of guys. It's, it's hard to, to tell on the scout team. Cause they're all wearing black jerseys. Uh, so if a guy stands out, sometimes you can find out, but it's not like you can watch and, and really get a feel for, Oh, that, you know, that freshman safety, Jamal Cook, he's doing well. Um, you know, just, it's, it's kind of hard to tell on that, Tim, but thanks for the email. Let's see what else we got here. Luke. Great win. I'm so happy. Great job, Ryan. In part to, to your constructive criticism of the defensive line in the past, they finally listened to you. Well, I don't know about that. Said, I watched the last seven minutes over and over again. It really was the key to the victory. If the defensive line did not step up, we would have lost. Uh, they should hire an engineer as a consultant, preferably an electrical engineer. We are the smartest of the engineers, uh, us electrical guys. So question, do you think USC will hire consultants like great uh, Alabama? Now Alabama has two former head coaches. Uh, one is a consultant. Thanks, Luke. I actually talked about this with Gerard a little bit. 
on the recruiting podcast from Thursday. Yeah, I think they're going to have to expand uh, the staff, those consultants. And uh, I mean, those it can be invaluable. And just especially with the inexperience that USC has, uh, head coach, defensive line coach, offensive coordinator. Um, you know, they'll have another year under a belt. But I think bringing in some consultants that you trust uh, can help that for sure. Thanks, Luke, for that. And uh, yeah, I don't know if they need an electrical engineering consultant, but um, whatever, you know, we do whatever we can. Just giving you my opinions, like Coach Hyde likes to say. Sergeant Rodney Strong, he said, well, USC won. Let me tell you, feels good to see USC look well coached and playing with passion like we used to see them play back in the Carroll and Robinson era. I was at the game, and let me tell you, that was the loudest place I've been in. Our boys took the air out of the crowd in the fourth. And once Adoree Jackson had that pick with four minutes left, the Husky fans started a jump ship, especially these guys. My son and I were sitting next to uh, that just argued with me the whole time saying UW owns SC and SC had to cheat to win a national title, etc. I guess my question is, do you boys feel this USC team is for real? And any thought next season, Sammy, Sammy D, uh, Sammy D just sounds weird. Sam Darnold gets Heisman talk. Thanks. Love what you guys do and fight on. P.S. I was sitting by the band and saw you, Ryan, and called your name. You didn't look my way. Really wanted to pick an autograph with you. Thanks. I'll catch up with you at the bowl game. Fight on. Sergeant Rodney. Sergeant. Excuse me. It's been a long day. Sergeant Rodney Strong, U.S. Army, Fort Lewis, Washington. Um, sorry I didn't see you. Uh, it's pretty loud up there, and everyone's kind of cheering. I was trying to take a lot of video post-game celebration. Uh. Yeah, so as far as the Heisman talk, um, yeah, no, he'll certainly be in the mix. I think this is the year where people get to know Sam Darnold, and then next year, as long as USC is good and they're winning games, then he can make a run. But it, it's tied to the team. The team has to have success, or otherwise no one will care what his numbers are like. Um, and yeah, I think this team is for real. I think they're finally playing up to the talent level. The talent was there. People in the beginning of the season were starting to tell me, you know, you just it's just USC's not as talented as these other teams. And I just thought that was bullshit from the very beginning, to be honest. I mean, I just like, no. It's not just about recruiting rankings. I see this team. I know this is a talented team. These are guys that are going to play in the NFL. They were not playing to their potential or anywhere close to it. So, yeah, I think this team can be for real. I think the defense is for real. Um, I'd like to see them play some more guys. Some people don't agree with me. There's only a few guys that Clancy Pendergast trusts, but it's working. Um, so... Yeah, you got to tip a cap to the coaching staff. I think they've been doing a really good job. Let's see. This is uh, Jeff. He said, thanks as always, Ryan, Coach Dan Gerard, for continuing to do a great job feeding our hunger for all things USC football. It's not. It's a nice time to be a fan. And you're right. And that's why you guys should enjoy being a fan right now because it is a nice time. Um, let's see. So he goes on to say, nice to see Iman Marshall have his best game when it really matters. I hope Trojan fans can have the grace to see that Coach Helton and his staff are doing a really good job at this point. I don't think that was the case uh, earlier in the season, but I can see the staff learning and growing, and I see them uh, being an effective staff for the future of the program. Not sure if you saw the Facebook video of Helton leading the team and singing fight on in the locker room, but it was an awesome sight. Am I wrong to believe that Helton clearly outcoached Chris Peterson? Peterson's clock management was pretty bad, and he still has to prove they can get his team and his Heisman candidate, in quotes, ready to win when it really matters. Uh, finally, I really loved Washington's Veteran Day uniforms. I thought Fox would report on the nameplates on their jerseys. 
but they didn't really tell the story. Any info on the significance of different names on the jerseys? Thanks, Jeff, the math teacher in Fountain Valley. Jeff, unfortunately, no, I don't know. Dan might know about that. Um, I didn't hear any stories about the nameplates. Uh, we, we're so far up there in the press box. Um, it's crazy how high you are. So I didn't really see them. And then once, by the time I got to the field after the game, it was, it was bedlam. It was crazy. Uh, so no, I didn't really notice. So sorry about that. Um, I did think Clay Helton now coach Chris Peterson. I think that, uh, I think the strategy Chris Peterson used on defense, at least, um, it wasn't that effective that they, I think they were trying to stop the run and they pretty much did, but USC was effective enough in the run game. And then the pass game was there. Now the Washington defense played pretty well. It's a really good defense, but it not, you know, not to the point USC's defense played way better. Um, and I think, you know, you have to get the run game going if you're Washington. Uh, it just wasn't working. And, and, you know, they, they didn't have any answers for the USC defense. So didn't see any kind of major adjustments. Um, and I think if they played again, you would see a different Washington team. I think Chris Peterson's a great coach. Uh, Clay Helton got the better of him that game. So you got to tip your cap to Helton and staff. Uh, but you know, people that say that Chris Peterson's not a good coach now, that I just think that's crap. He's definitely a good coach. So, um, but yeah, but, uh, Clay Helton got the best of him. And, you know, Iman Marshall, yeah, I thought he had a, a good game. You know, got banged up there a little bit with, uh, I think, uh, Jack Jones was coming in. So let's see. We got, I think, one more. Uh, I really got upset hearing about Iman Marshall being a weak spot on defense. If you watch the games, especially the Pac-12 game in 60, you would see many pass breakups and dropped, uh, interceptions by him. Although he is tied for the team lead in interceptions with two. Actually, he's not anymore because uh, Odori Jackson got two in the last game. So I think that, oh, he must have sent this in before the Washington game. Don't even mention run support. We we usually use man coverage with no safety help. So expect slants and posts. He's our second best cover man. He started as a freshman at three interceptions last year. I heard Coach uh, Hyde say that Washington would match up with their best receiver on Marshall. Wrong. We always put our best, oh, put Odori Jackson on the best receiver. Marshall is always on the number two man in coverage. I trust that matchup, Curtis Marino Valley. Yeah, no, I think he gets, uh, he's aggressive. I think he gets some penalties and stuff. And I think they're, you know, but he's really played well, you know, at times. And it's not, it's not as great every play. Dory Jackson fell down and gave up the only touchdown of the game to Washington. Um, those guys are on an island a lot. So there's going to be criticism because of, uh, because of that, you know, and it's not, it's not easy. Uh, but I think he's been doing a really good job. People talk about, well, he should play safety. I, I don't think so. I think he's a corner. You think he's going to stay a corner. I think he's making a bunch of plays. Um, he'll give up some too. And you're playing in the Pac-12, any corner. Adore Jackson does. Um, so you can't, you can't hold him on Marshall to some crazy standard that, you know, Adore Jackson's allowed to give up some plays, but he can't. Um, we haven't seen penalty, I think, for the last couple of weeks from him. And, uh, you know, some of the penalties, Really weren't even penalties, but whatever. It's he's a physical guy. He's uh pretty aggressive, and sometimes you get calls like that. So, uh, whatever. But yeah, you know, watch him on Marshall. Just watch him and 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 see it. You know, see him play. Not just the one play that's bad. Watch the whole game and and see what he does. And uh, you know, I try to 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 keep an eye on him every once in a while. And uh, he's asked to do a lot out there. So, um, yeah, give him some credit. All right, so that's going to wrap us up for this week. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the, the Blair Angulo portion, and I wanted to make sure I got to all these other 
uh, questions on the podcast. You know, actually, there was one more. Uh, David, this was actually, we're going to talk about this on the recruiting podcast. And Gerard felt a little weird. I talked about it. And it, it went really long. Um, it's kind of long by David. He said uh, he's been a podcast fan since episode 43 when you actually still said what the episode numbers were. It was the start of every show. Still love it. Thanks, uh, David. Yeah, it just got to be too much. We were in the 400s or something. And it's like, it's hard just naming every episode. And we would only call the once a week episodes. That would be our episode. So if we did a second or third show, we called that something else. So now we're doing two, three, four shows a week. So, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't go them by numbers anymore, but so basically he kind of, it was kind of long and talking about a, a local kid who's, he said there was an Inland Empire guy, local kid. He's top 10 nationally in two stats, um, total yards and, uh, and carries per game, 31 carries per game. Um, and you know, how, a, basically how a guy gets recruited by USC. So in general, like, National college, high school football stats don't matter. Most stats don't ever get recorded. Um, you know, we, we cover games and then you look for a stat and it's not even there. So that kind of stuff, it's not universal at all. Like if you're talking about state rankings or something like that, like, yeah, I mean, but rankings don't really matter. Like you've, there's plenty of running backs that'll run for thousands of yards and they're just not college material. They're small or whatever. They're, and sometimes they go in overlooked and then they shouldn't be. Um, you know, but a lot of times there's a reason why and they end up playing at a division three school or something and that's fine. But I wouldn't put too much stock into stats, high school stats. Um, if he ranks that he's got more carries per game than, than someone else. Like that doesn't matter. Like that you're not going to get recruited at USC because wow, he had 31 carries per game. Um, and it's, it's different if you want to talk get recruited by division one versus getting recruited by like a USC. We go to a lot of high school events, uh, seven on seven things, games, um, combines, camps, all that kind of stuff. And I get parents come up to me all the time. Hey, watch my kid. He's the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's hard. You don't want to be mean, but, and you don't want to be snarky, but it's like, yeah, unless if I'm covering a game and the kid is, he either has to, have, the kid I'm covering has to have an offer from USC or looks like he's about to, you know, every once in a while we're at a game and you see a guy like, who the hell is that? And maybe I'll film him a little bit and he could be somebody like, uh, I was up in Fresno a couple of years ago and, uh, a coach told me about Caleb Wilson, um, who is at Oklahoma now. And he was 15 years old. He just had played in like the summer, like a summer league thing in uh, Vegas and impressed people and kind of got some attention. And I shot footage of him, footwork drills and stuff, you know, just shorts. And I don't even think I had a shirt on and I put it up and he ended up getting an offer from Oklahoma the next day. So yeah, like sometimes we quote unquote discover people, uh, people that you don't know about for the most part, you kind of know who these guys are and USC knows them and they're he's either in the caliber of a, a guy USC recruit or he isn't. And if he is, it's just uh, kind of up to the coaches there. Like anything we do, isn't going to change. Like I don't get guys recruited. Um, Caleb Wilson would have been recruited anyway. I just happened to be the first guy to put a bunch of footage of up of him and coaches notice that because they, they check out our site. I mean, they're on there. Um, so 
yeah, it's like, don't, you know, he could be the best player on his high school. And we get people come up to us and like, he's no, he's not the starting quarterback yet, but he's really good. And I was like, dude, he's not starting for his high school. Like, USC's not going to recruit him. You know, I, I, you don't want to be mean, but it's hard to, you just got to be truthful about it that these guys, the guys that recruit, even the bench warmers on USC were the best player in their school. Like, that's maybe the, the league, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. Um, so yeah, it's, and you have to look at, you know, people come up to you like, well, hey, this, this defensive lineman, uh, he's really good. It's like in a bad league. Uh, he plays, you know, for his team, he's 5'11 and 220 pounds. Like, I'm not saying he's not going to be a great player someday, but USC is not going to be recruiting a defensive tackle that's 5'11 and 225 pounds. Like, they just, it's not, you know, does he want to walk on and, and maybe develop, you know, yeah. Um, but for the most part, in general, they're probably not recruiting that guy. Um, now they go out and see, they watch film, they see tape on guys, they go see in person. And if his athleticism, uh, you know, normally if he's a great athlete, he's probably not, they're not probably put him at defensive tackle. He's 225 pounds, but you know, for whatever reason say they do and a USC coach sees him and sees potential there, maybe as an outside linebacker or who knows what something Then yeah, I think that can happen. But for the most part, you're talking, the guys that are getting recruited, you know, I mean, they're just that freaking good. Um, and you know, feel bad. I'm sorry. Like if the, the dude that, you know, plays at your rival high school or in the league and man, he's, he's leading the league in uh pass efficiency. It's like, okay, well you see the kind of guys that USC, the quarterbacks USC is going after. They're like the elite 11 dude, like the best of the best. They're four star guys. Like that's who they're going after. Not to say that everyone's like that. We've seen Clay, Clay Helton go after some, uh, you know, three star guys that some of them probably aren't going to be commits any longer at some point because they're, they're doing well now. So they'll get some more four star guys, but they say they don't, the stars and stuff don't matter. But these are guys that are, that people know, you know, and, uh, people know them for a reason. And every once in a while, someone falls on their radar and maybe the guy that you email us about is that guy. Um, but it's, you know, it's harder for that to happen nowadays. And you have to just line them up and compare them. You can't say, well, his stats are good. So he's going to be a great college player. Like it just doesn't work that way. Same thing. You know, NFL guys don't say, you know, some guy, you know, Donald Pumphrey is, uh, you know, leading the nation and rushing for San Diego State. That's nice. He plays for San Diego State. They could project him to be an NFL running back or they, mo- they can't or they won't. If they don't feel he's going to be one, they don't give a crap that he's got great stats. Like that doesn't really matter. It's about the player and his potential to play at the next level. So for same thing for high school to college, I don't think anybody cares what, you know, some guy throws for 5,000 yards if, they don't like them, then they don't like them. You know, it's probably hard to say like, dude, the guy's got an arm if he's throwing for that many yards. But if he doesn't look like a, a college quarterback and there's, there's a wide range of what college quarterbacks look like nowadays, uh, they don't feel he's going to fit their system, whatever. They're not going to recruit them. So the stats and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't get too tied up in all that, David, but I know it's kind of a long answer. Um, I went a little long there, but yeah, we want to get all the questions out of the way. Uh, there was a few questions for Shotgun. I still want to get him on. We haven't had him on in a while. He's been putting up his uh, participation charts later in the week. That's up now, so go check it out. 
Uh, but we wanted to kind of talk to him after that comes out. It's hard when he puts him up late, uh, which he's been doing. So anyway, um, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Big week of podcasts for uh, Peristyle Podcast. Also a podcast of champions. Go to uh, Podcast.com. Uh, do a great show with David Woods. Uh, I'll say it's great. I think it's great. People seem to love it. But it's a great all all around Pac-12 podcast too. So a lot of podcasts uh, this week. But it's a big week. So we wanted to get you as much content as possible. Listen to us on the way into the game. Uh, it's going to take you a while to get into the Rose Bowl if you're going. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the college football. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.